at some point, if you are human, you will have experienced extreme survival responses with associated catastrophic thoughts that have been mistakenly generated by the smallest stimuli. Look, I've actually nicked those words from a fabulous book called Anxiety is Really Strange, and I recommend this. Links wherever you find this. Okay, but this issue of overreaction, if you like, is explored in this book. And oh boy, oh boy, the title of the book, Anxiety is Really Strange. Well, yeah, I'd say so. So let's explore what might be going on when you have an intensely emotional OTT reaction to something. You'll all recognize that. And in hindsight, it's the kind of thing that has you thinking, ooh, that's awkward, that's embarrassing, what the heck was going on there? I'm your host, Tricia Lewis. This is Self-Belief Unsquashed. And we're going to explore a hugely influential character in the cast of your brain, the amygdala. Hmm. And also, an inevitable influencing factor on your reactions, your triggers. So, want to know more about amygdala and triggers? Yes! Well, first of all, why explore this in a podcast about unsquashing your self-belief? A very simple answer to that. Imagine this for a moment. You have just blown a fuse, if you like, in a supermarket queue or you've just started crying with anger in the middle of a work meeting, or you've just walked out of a restaurant because the waiter seemed a bit rude. Okay, yeah, now what next? Well, you feel, you can take your pick from these, stupid, embarrassed, useless, alienated, like you're going a bit bonkers. No one understands you. What is the matter with you? And none of those are going to nurture your self-belief. So that's why we're exploring it. Right, onwards then. Let's explore the why and crucially, let's consider three practical actions that could help you manage, not always stop, I hasten to add, the cascading, catastrophizing, irrational, over-the-top eruptions and subsequent squashed feelings. And let me first paint a picture for you that I really hope is going to illustrate this overreaction thing in a real-life scenario. And then we're going to do the forensics to see what role was the amygdala playing, just stay with me, and my personal triggers, what role were they playing, which of course you'll be able to relate to you and your triggers, just wait for this to unravel. But first of all, I'm going to tell you a little story. Quite recently, I was at my new happy place, the climbing wall, 
uh, my new hobby. And my partner was trying to explain how to use a new gadget. And it's a, a belay device for those of you who want to know. So it's just a bit of a technical thing. You know, this is, you put the rope in here and then you bring it around here, but unlike the one you've been using before, it goes on that side and this bit, etc. So I'm listening and all of a sudden I, I get a panicky response. It's like a minor panic attack, if you like. <laughs> get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here, get, stop, stop, stop. And I can actually feel tears rising and about to come out my eyes. In fact, I think they do. Now, fortunately, I'm with my partner who has known me for a long, long time. And I'm able to say to him, oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't, this needs to stop. And he stops and we say, okay, 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 we'll revisit this later. <sighs> But it takes me a while to come down from that weird cascading, that emotional flooding. Okay, what happened in that moment also is fascinating to me. I immediately remembered a situation that had a common theme. And you might have thought it was a previous week or months ago or maybe a couple of years ago. But oh no, it was about... Uh, 50 plus years previously. And the story involved then was me in a class at school, an all girls school, um, quite a posh one. And we were doing Latin. And this was the first term of doing Latin. And the teacher was straight out of central casting if you wanted to have a mad professor. And he was licking his hair all over the place. He was a total mess. And he was scribbling in chalk all over this huge blackboard. It was full of Latin verbs and goodness knows what. And he was spouting out stuff and he wasn't even looking at us properly. And also a male teacher in, a, at that time, a girls' school with nearly 99% female teachers. I don't know, maybe he was uncomfortable. I've no idea what was going on, but all I know is my reaction. I suddenly had the exact same feeling that I had all these years later in the climbing wall. Get me out of it. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know what he's saying. I don't get this. Whoa, 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 whoa. He needs to stop. He needs to stop. And I burst out into tears. Now, of course, that was absolute hell on earth for this Latin teacher uh, who didn't really understand the female of the race at all, I don't think. Anyway, I was taken out of the classroom and I was allowed to uh, ditch Latin. So there we go, quite a dramatic consequence. Okay, I've told you the stories. We'll come back to those in a minute because there are common themes and you will be able to relate them to you and your story. But first of all, I'm going to call in an imaginary guest into my podcast studio to help us out. Um, welcome, Daniel Goleman, the American psychologist, author of Emotional Intelligence, a fabulous book amongst many, many other books. Um, yes, happy to be here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Can't role play Daniel Goleman. It would be great if he was here. But what I have got is his book, Emotional intelligence, a must read, to be honest. I'm going to refer to his words to help us with this whole amygdala 
thing. He he describes something as a neural tripwire, which I think is a really fabulous sort of um, visualization. And he describes the amygdala hijack, which again is a great word to sort of encapsulate this takeover. This is all to do, as I say, with the amygdala. And his words, moments of impassioned action that we later regret, which is really what we're talking about, isn't it? When impulsive feeling overrides the rational, if you like. So the amygdala, those little almond-shaped neural clusters either side of your brain play a pivotal part in all of this. Your amygdala, again, his words, acts like a psychological sentinel. The, the situation is instantly assessed by the amygdala as, will this hurt me? Do I hate this? Does this scare me? And if the answer is yes, the amygdala will telegraph a message of utter crisis to all parts of the brain. And we all know brain-body, brain-body, mind-body connection. Enough said. Quote Daniel Goleman. When an emotion takes the direct route through several levels of brain circuits before it fully perceives and finally initiates its more finely tailored response, you're going to get this emotional flooding. It will flood out the rationality stuff, which is your sort of neocortex front brain malarkey. Okay, you're basically in a sort of fight or flight response. It's survival stuff. It's primitive. It's your reptilian brain stuff. You know all of this, really. And it's great that we've got it, but not so great all of the time. And frequently in the world we currently live in, it's out of date in the response reaction. So I'm going to now link all this amygdala stuff with the other thing I said we'd explore, which is triggers. And again, from his book, I'm going to read you this, this tiny little description, which illustrates triggers. A former army nurse, traumatized by the relentless flood of ghastly wounds she once tended in wartime, is suddenly swept with a mix of dread, loathing and panic a repeat of her battlefield reaction triggered once again, years later, by the stench when she opens a closet door to find her toddler has stashed a stinking diaper there. Yeah, that traumatic response triggered. And of course, her response was completely over the top for the actual situation. She, you know, toddlers, they do stuff, don't they? But there we go. That's how triggers work. But there's another aspect to triggers that I want you to think about. This is really individual, really unique to you. If you like your personal neural defaults. And I'm going to go back to the common ingredients of my climbing wall Latin class stories. Number one, I want you to think about the influence that learning styles might have played in my response, because this will apply to you. Very individual. Are you a visual learner, an auditory learner, or a kinesthetic learner? Now, I think I'm quite kinesthetic 
in my preference of how I learn stuff. In other words, hands-on, uh, role-playing, note-taking. What about you? You can see, of course, how this played out in the situations that I've given you in those stories. I, I was trying, I was being told stuff <laughs> and, and somebody else was in control of the chalk or the belay device and, and I hadn't got my hands on it. Uh, I was, yeah, I, I wanted to just take it slowly and do it myself and try it out and yeah which actually brings me on to number two. So number one, learning styles, your learning style. Think about it. Number two, control. Yes. Now, I don't want to describe myself as a control freak, but there are times when I think that's quite an accurate description. But I think what it is, is that I, partly I, I wanted to control my understanding so I was keen to understand. I want to understand things. That's part of my personality. So I wanted to control how it was being delivered in order that I could take control of my understanding, if that makes sense. And this all felt out of control. And then number three, so we've got learning styles, control, <laughs> and what influence is that playing? And number three, and all of this, of course, is tied up in this one, baggage, your past, your experience, your history, your fibs, if you like, fears, illusions and baggage, all of that stuff that is part of what's rolling around and whizzing about in your neural pathways, your little memory filing banks and all the rest of it. And maybe for me, there's a bit of baggage that in these stories was to do with, look, I'm not stupid. I don't want to go into a whole long story about my life, but there might have been times where I felt like, you know, I was being undervalued or from when I grew up, you know, maybe, you know, I'm just a girl. I, I can't be expected to understand stuff that's complicated or maybe from, you know, early <laughs> bad uh, serious relationships with a sort of gaslighting element to them. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that, was playing in at that moment. Something to think about. But importantly, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> okay, this amygdala hijack, if you like, this emotional flooding, this, this catastrophic spiraling thing, you can't necessarily stop that. I, it, it, it's chemicals, it's, it's brain, it's survival instincts, it's all the rest of it. So what can you do? It's a management strategy, I think. Number one, get familiar with your personal triggers. Pre-warned is pre-armed. Number two, get familiar with your amygdala. The most effective way perhaps is to send it uh, an I'm safe message as quickly as possible. And that you can do by controlled, lovely, relaxing breathing. You know, the in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, whatever method suits you from your diaphragm. Uh, change of environment. You might just simply need to get out of that particular environment and before you, you sort of go into a massive flood, when you're just beginning to go into this flood situation, get rational thought back in the driving seat when you're in this calmer place. 
because there's no point in trying to deny it. That's not going to help at all. Right. And number three, deconstruct the incident when you're in a calmer place. Don't push it to one side saying, oh, God, I want to forget that ever happened. I'm just weird. I'm just weird. I'm just stupid. Oh, my God. No, just deconstruct it calmly so you can understand it more. And while you're doing this deconstruction and forensics, don't beat yourself up. Remind yourself that this is incredibly human. We've just talked about a piece of your reptilian brain that is pivotal in all of this. And of course, you're affected by your own neurodiverse stuff and your baggage and everything else. So don't beat yourself up. Just get forensic, which is quite often my advice. And that's what we've been doing. So I hope you've enjoyed this lesson. If you want to know more about my unsquashing mission, pop over to my website, trishalewis.com, or make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, look back on the previous episodes. And can you tell people about the podcast? And if possible, give it a review or rate it. That would be really useful to spread the word. So for now, until the next episode, stay curious and unsquashed.